Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my co-host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund, and you can learn more about that at masters.vc. This show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We are having a grand time ripping the opaque lid off the world of conventional venture capital to show you how it works. <laughs> and sometimes doesn't. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Hi, Jillian. Hi, Anne. What's in your mind this week? I am so glad you asked me that question, Jillian, because last week we talked about de-risking venture capital, which is universally acknowledged as the riskiest of asset classes. And something I read an institutional investor to prepare for last week's pod has been bugging me all week. Okay. Institutional investor? You know, some big guns there. What do they have to say? Well, yes, big guns indeed. I mean, we all dream of <laughs> attracting investment <laughs> from the institutionals, right? We say that all the time. That's so anyway, right. they did a post last fall called The Pervasive Head-Scratching Risk-Exploding Problem with Venture Capital. Sound familiar? You know, yeah. Like we talk yeah. about this okay. all the time. Yeah. Okay. So, so head-scratching risk-exploding problem. That's mm. right. And of course, okay. we'll put the link up in our uh, LinkedIn page, um, okay. which you just look for Outlines Venture Group on LinkedIn and you'll find it there. Sounds um, good. Yeah. So they opined in this article that the mm. asset class of venture capital is not in and of itself risky but results in outsized risk because fund managers fail to diversify investments over a large enough collection of portfolio companies. They say, and I'm gonna quote here, look at the vast dispersion between top and bottom quartile VC funds with the bottom quartile funds giving negative returns. This dispersion is a classic sign of a non-diversified portfolio. Well, I'm going to take the uh -huh. word for it because I'm anything if not a fund, <laughs> you know, a portfolio institutional manager. But if that is, um, it, if yeah, that is yeah. how it works, you know, it makes sense to me. So okay. they talk it through this way. Classic diversification theory says that in public equities, you can expect a reasonable diversification effect, which I take to mean uh, less risk, uh, with 40 to 70 stocks. So right. in, your, in your portfolio, since two thirds of all venture deals fail, at least, um, that means they would need a starting portfolio of up to 210 investments to achieve a reasonable risk. How many funds do this. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. Not <laughs> right. many. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So one question, of course, is because I ask a lot of questions, as you know, uh, why not? Um, well, there's not much incentive to do so because returns are focused on increasing valuation and then selling a company. And we'll get to all that later. For now, what I want to say is this got me thinking about index funds, which are arguably successful ways to mitigate risk in public market investing by broad diversification, of course. So I wanna ask, what if there were a venture index fund? 
Okay, so I see where you're going with this. Let's break this down and see what we can uncover for our listeners. But first, let's make sure that there's a link to that article in Institutional Investor, and that goes up on our LinkedIn page. Um, and you can find us there at Outlines Venture Group on LinkedIn, and just search our name, you'll find it there. Anyway, now, to begin with, index funds are designed to match the returns of their underlying stock market index, okay? Index funds match the returns, right? It's diversified enough to avoid major losses and to perform well. They're known for outperforming mutual funds, especially once those low fees, which are usually associated with index funds, are taken into consideration. So let's take a look at how index funds operate, how they earn money, the fees that are involved and so on, and the historic returns to investors. Then we could see how much such a thing might work in the terms of, you know, the venture capital world. Uh, basically, you know, is this a real thing or is it kind of thin thinking? Right. Okay, so, then. yeah, okay, seems reasonable. An index fund is a type of mutual fund, also known sometimes as an exchange traded fund with a portfolio constructed to match or track the components of a financial market index. A market index would be something like the Standard & Poor's 500 index, the S&P 500, right? And exchange traded means literally it's traded on a stock market exchange. Now, Warren Buffett has recommended index funds as, and I'll quote, a haven for savings for older investors. Rather than picking out uh, individual stocks for investment, Buffett suggests that it makes more sense for the average investor anyway to buy all of the S&P 500 companies at a low cost in the index fund. And that's what they offer, right? The ability to own a little bit of everything inside that fund. Now, buying every stock in an index, such as the S&P 500, doesn't necessarily protect investors from losses, right? This stuff is not FDIC insured, right? Investors in index funds that track the S&P 500, for example, lost about 37% plus the fund's expenses in 2008, when the index itself, the S&P 500, dropped about 37%, right? The fund tracks the index, so it's easy to understand. Now, Investors in index funds that tracked real estate also lost money in a 2008-9, right? It's notable, however, that everybody made their money back in those ensuing years. The trick was to hold, not sell, when the market tanked. I mean, look where the market was, how it tanked in 2008, and where it went by 2000 and even 15, never mind 16, 17, 18, 19, and so on right? You buy low, sell high. Of course, too many investors don't do that. Now, index fund investors do get to mitigate some fund manager risk. That's what you were talking about, Anne, this fund manager risk, right? Um, if the fund manager performs well, you could have a returns, but too many fund managers do not, right? So if you give your assets to an investment manager to actively manage that capital, whether in the private market or the public market, private markets, venture capital funds, PE funds, things like that, right? Public markets, your stockbroker, right? Your, your, your manager, uh, actually financial manager. Okay. If you give it to a manager to actively manage that capital, the manager will make individual stock purchases on your behalf, 
Now, there's always the risk that your manager may make investments that underperform the index. And of course, your manager may exceed the index too. That's the crapshoot you take when you're investing with a single manager or even a group of managers rather than taking a bet on the entire index. Okay, I get that. And I am familiar with how index funds have operated um, and the benefit that Buffett mentions. So now, what, what about a global VC index fund? Well, now if somebody ran a global VC index, and let's just spitball here, right? Suppose somebody ran a global VC index fund, then the managers of such a fund would proportionally invest in every or almost every VC fund on the planet, right? That's the idea, you get a piece of everything. Or perhaps it would be a US VC index fund. In that event, the managers would invest in uh, the capital proportionally in every United States-based VC fund. Now, it would be kind of cool, actually. I just thought about this, Anne. If yeah. you could get an index fund that would track the top 20 or 24 VC funds on the planet, those are the outsized ones historically. If you could just track that, that might be interesting. Anyway, such a fund might be difficult to get into and very expensive. I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, let's say we have a US VC fund, right? Then the fund would have to wait on average for about 11 to 16 years. That's what it takes usually, right? Until all the deals made by those VC funds that it had invested in, right, had settled out. You know, they'd be earning or losing the capital that each of those fund managers, you know, had when they made their investments. You know, you just got to wait, right? It's not quite the same in a public market, right? You don't have to wait for a long time till the returns show up. So finally, in a way, I would say that an index fund would operate like a really big fund of funds. All right. Okay. So rather than putting capital into a single company or several, a fund of funds invests in funds, right? Taking yeah. bets on the acumen of the fund managers rather than taking bets on the founders and leadership teams of early stage startup companies directly. Mm-hmm because VC funds make investments into companies, when you boil it down one way or another, both the fund of funds and the index fund return capital on a group of companies. Yeah. So, wow, what are the results, Jillian? Okay, so I'm gonna read a small portion of an article from the Harvard Business Review on this very subject, which is intriguing. We're not the only people thinking about what would it be if there was an index fund on venture capital, right? It says, VC funds haven't significantly outperformed the public market since the late 1990s. And since 1997, less cash has been returned to VC investors than they have invested. In other words, they haven't made the 1X, okay? Negative returns. Now. Mm-hmm a tiny group of top performing firms do generate, quote, great venture rates of return, unquote, at least twice the capital invested net of fees. That's considered great. At least twice the capital invested net of fees. I think it's pretty dang good. Yeah. But a hundred bucks to get 200 net of fees, right? Okay. Now we don't know definitively, they say, which firms are in that group because performance data are not generally available and they're not consistently reported. The average fund, however, it goes on to say, breaks even or loses money. 
And it continues. This doesn't get any better, Anne. <laughs> we analyzed the Kaufman Foundation's experience investing in nearly 100 venture capital funds over 20 years. We found that only 20 of our funds outperformed the markets by the 3 to 5% annual. That's it. Just 3 to 5% better than the public markets, okay? Uh, that we expect to comp uh, compensate us for the fees and illiquidity that we occur by investing in private rather than public equity. And even worse, 62 of our 100 funds failed to beat the returns available from a small cap public index. Venture capital investments are generally perceived as high risk and high reward. The data in our report reveals that although investors and VCs take on high fees, illiquidity, and risk, they rarely reap the reward of high returns. VCs as a group have no Midas touch for investing. End of quote. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if a few of the venture capital funds that the index fund would, would in, invest in would return outsized returns, and more than half of the fund, and the balance would return 1x or more, but not unicorn style style res returns results, what would a VC index fund have returned over the past 25 or so years? <laughs> As we often note on this show, the Kaufman Foundation, Forbes, and others report that since 1997, venture capital investment returns have not kept pace with public markets. And that is truth, folks. Yeah. So yeah. we have to take a break now for our sponsors, but we're going to come back to uh, grapple with this idea some more. And actually, if it's not a venture fund, index fund, what is the answer? So we're yeah. going to take a break for our sponsors. We'll be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music talking about what we, what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Today we're posing the question, what if there were an index fund for venture capital? Before the break, Jillian, you pointed out as what we note often that since 1997, VC returns have not kept pace with public markets. Clearly, this emperor has no clothes. But what does that mean for investors, other than the obvious, of course? <laughs> so what it means to investors is that if there were such a thing as a VC index fund, and it really went over all VCs, either in the US or around the world, right? Investors would have done better to put their money into index funds that track one or the other public markets, such as the S&P 500, maybe the Russell 2000, a large cap fund, uh, anything. I don't know. Eurostocks didn't do as well as we thought. but. More surprisingly and distressingly, investors would have done better 
to put their money into even a small cap fund. Now, the Motley Fool, you know those guys in the public markets, that guy? Okay. Mm -hmm. The Motley Fool has a chart showing average returns over one to 30 years. And we should share a link with that on our LinkedIn page too, Anne. Let's, uh, you know, on the Outlines yeah. Venture page uh, and Venture Group page at LinkedIn. So Motley Fool reports that the average annual return of a public market equity fund investor was 5.19% over the last 20 years. Okay. Give your okay. money to a money manager. Money manager is going to make you about 5.19% averaged over the last 20 years. Some years were really good. Some years really not. Okay. Consider that venture capital as an industry has not kept pace with the public markets. That means that our imaginary VC index fund would have returned something less than 5.19% per annum over that same period of time. During that same 20 years, Motley Fool shows that the S&P 500 index was 9.85% annual average return. Wow, now that's a serious difference. 5.19 if you give it to an individual, 9.85 almost twice if you just track the whole index. Now, clearly, the answer to mitigating risk in venture capital is not to create either a fund of funds or an index fund. Right. The fund of funds, the reason, I mean, the reason you would create such a thing, right, is not to make more bets on individuals, but actually to focus your portfolio, okay, and focus it on other things than just saying, I'm just going to diversify, okay? If the underlying index comprises no and low returning funds, well, one cannot make a silk purse out of a sow's ears, my mother would have said. <laughs> So where do we go from here, Jillian? Well, invest in startups anyway, okay? If you're an investor, do it. They're critical for the growth of our economy and the good of society at large. But do so in ways that return and return on investment, an ROI, to you as an investor and that support the companies you capitalize. So invest in funds that have and are developing investment models that make sense for investors and entrepreneurs. What's broken is not that we need a fund that will kind of diversify over all the funds, but that we change how almost all of those funds operate. If only about 20 to 25 funds across the planet are making really good bucks, they should exist. The rest shouldn't. They have to have a different investment model. Venture debt has been maligned for far too long. In truth, almost all companies use venture debt, and very, very, very few use venture equity as a way to build their company, right? By selling the story of venture equity being the only real way to fund a startup, we do a great disservice to investors and to the entrepreneurs alike. For one thing, young and otherwise capable entrepreneurs think they can launch some bright and sometimes not so bright idea, and they can get other people's money to build it out. Nothing could be farther than, you know, from the truth for almost any founder. All right? it, it's a bad story to sell. Right. Now, we all know the stories of the two well-connected boys from Harvard who got millions of dollars to build something in their garages. Now, some made household names, right? But many others landed on the garbage heap of poor decisions and unkept promises. <laughs> yeah, here are just a few multi-million dollar investments that tanked. All right. Uh, 
ring a bell if you've heard of any of these. <laughs> I, was say, I can't wait to hear this list. Go on. Cast AR made a magic wand joystick that oh, God, a- yes. allowed the controller to position objects in space. It raised 15 million and it was way too early for the market and never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. Lily Robotics was going to design, manufacture, and sell drones. They also raised 15 million and tanked in 2017. Mm-hmm. Tephoria raised 17.5 million to give high net worth individuals a $650 prettier way to make tea on their countertops. Really? Oh, God, yes, I remember that. It was supposed to be simpler or something. Uh, I don't know. We're it was another machine. Sh- and we're all shocked to learn this company did not make its investors billions, right? Not. Nah. <laughs> uh, cull. Oh, no, cool. Uh, did yeah, not cool. Cull. Yeah. Cool. I remember yeah, cool. I, remember I do cool. remember that. Yeah, raised $33 million to take on Google and Yahoo, <laughs> not to mention Bing. And, and, and it actually had some very nice reviews when it started. People kind of liked it. Yeah, and as I recall, it was founded by some ex-Googlers, and perhaps That's they right. were, you know, disaffected and trying to, you know, beat their former hey, corporate overlords. Hey, but they were a dream team. They were a dream uh, yeah. team, right? And it Category. failed to get... Even 200,000 visitors per month, which yeah. in the search game is ridiculous. Drop yeah, in the and bucket. Investors lost everything. Yeah, they sure did. And there's so many more and so many more. The, there was the one that got invested in to say, yo, remember that one? Oh, God, yes. They raised $10 million <laughs> to say, yo. I remember you and I went back and forth with that one for so long. Yeah. I mean, weeks after we heard about this investment, we kept conjecturing, it can't be just about yo. It's just the world doesn't know what it is they're building yet. They must have a new way to sell a message they must have i know some underlying technologies that are going to tra- change the transmission of data i'm mean, something it's going to be amazing no, no 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 they actually we're just going to send yo yo yeah <laughs> yo. yeah really oh, yeah, okay. painful painful yeah. anyway look these stories side, whether they were successful multi-million dollar stories or stories of failure, they are not stories that represent almost all founders' experience and almost all investors' experience. And to say otherwise leads far too many entrepreneurs to seek the wrong kind of investment for their company with dire results for both the entrepreneurs and the investors. Almost all startup companies are destined, if they're successful at all, to be valued at well less than a million bucks. Forcing them to become more than that busts 80% of them, okay? A few really will get over that 100 million mark in terms of valuation. Many of both kinds of companies, those under the 100 million and those over the 100 million will never sell. They will never have an IPO. And even if they do hit a very nice valuation, they're still not going to sell and they will still not have an IPO. That's going to return nothing to the investors. It's not sustainable. Absolutely not. I keep saying house of cards, this focus on valuation. Yeah. And by the way, 20 or 30 million is not small potatoes for most entrepreneurs or most investors. It just depends on how much has been invested to get there, how much dilution you've got to put up with, how long it took to get to the exit, and how many investors are in the deal with you. Far too often, later stage investors wipe out earlier stage investors and entrepreneurs, 
or it takes 15 years to get to an exit. In that event, you've got to compete at least 10% year over year at, with at least 10% year over year returns that you could have made in the public markets. It's yeah. called cost of capital, people, and it should not be ignored by investors or entrepreneurs. And it so often is. That's, yeah, I, I get on that soapbox all the time. <laughs> absolutely. So we should take another break before we wrap this up, this discussion. It's been fascinating um, about whether or what if there were a VC index fund. We're pretty much coming out. That's not the right answer. And we'll be back after the break with some ideas about what are the answers to this problem. This is VC Confidential, and we'll be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, You'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. We're so glad you joined us today. And we are talking about whether a venture index fund is the answer to the sorry state of VC investment returns. And we're concluding, likely not. Then what is the answer, Jillian? Well, before the break, we were talking about the fact that far too often, investors see nothing at all because they fail to provide a path for the portfolio company to return capital to them, right? We were covering once again, the only way to get your money out in conventional venture capital as an investor is a sale or an IPO, right? You need more ways to get your money out. I'd say with all the evidence that conventional VC investments, whether at the angel or VC stage, are far more likely to lose your capital than gain you 10X or 100X in your capital, the heck are you going to do? Right? Companies need capitalizing. We need new companies to solve new problems. Right? We need them to provide new services as well as products. So product companies only, not going to work. Right? We need jobs for the future. Not everybody's going to become a unicorn. Not everybody can become a unicorn or be eaten by one. Let's get over this. Well, yeah, and I'd just like to take a fast pause here and say that Let's step back from all the glam stories we hear about the outsized returns made by the top 10 VC companies when they dive in in the very late deals just before the IPO and make cabillions. 
that is not the story of everybody else in uh, the startup world. So there are many answers. Here are a few. So I'll start with three, and I'm sure we can come up with more before we have to close this program. Fund your favorite startup companies using venture debt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Loan so them simple. the money and get some interest back. <laughs> yes. Yes. Seems very simple. Uh, I get it. Yeah. And, and it's not as sexy as, oh, I'm going to make a billion bucks because it's the next Google. Get over it. Get over it. Get yourself some money back instead. That's why you got in this business. Yeah. I still keep wondering how how is it that investors can part with the money and never get it back. Doesn't this bother anybody? It would bother me. <laughs> I, I should think it does, but evidently it does not bother them enough or for long enough to remember that they lost the first round. They do it again and again and again because somebody convinces them that the path to success is to do it again, do more of it. You yeah. must have, for example, a portfolio in which you've invested in at least 30 companies. Nonsense. You have to invest in 70 to 100. So you keep on going and going and going and going. Yeah. Well, sure. Your chances might be, if you will, aggregately better. But I think not, Anne. The chance that any one of those that you've invested in is going to be a unicorn is the same as every other one. Thousands and thousands of investments made per year and only eight on average per year worldwide. Four yep. of them in the United States. Yep. And, and by the way, before I go back to two more ideas about what to do about this, I would just say that the, uh, I think the, the focus and the conclusion that um, institutional investor came to in their post was they were trying to encourage their own fund managers to build more diverse portfolios. And we're certainly behind yes. that. Yes. Know? Now that I agree with. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, what's number two? Number two, fund using structured equity, which is equity. Ding, invest ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> equity investments with a structured schedule for the portfolio company to redeem its stock, in essence, buy it back from the fund. That's what we do at Master's Fund. Absolutely. And, you know, um, it looks a lot like debt but it protects some upside potential for investors because we hold those 50% warrants, right? This is not rocket science. You can formulate instruments that protect your upside opportunities. You protect your downside risks. You mitigate them significantly. You provide more opportunities for a company to redeem the stock that it uh, you know, has given you in exchange for capital. There are just better ways to do this, folks. This is, uh, it, it, it's not difficult. It just needs to be done. So what's number three? Number three, been around forever, but it's worth repeating. Fund using a dividend model and stick with that company you love for many, many years. And Absolutely. everybody can be successful. And that's the point. We want investors to be successful and entrepreneurs together. Yeah, I'd say in short, you know, what we're saying is develop and offer your capital to help companies build in ways that enable the company to provide you with a return on your investment. And that return should be commensurate with the risk of the investment. Every single individual one, not collectively, right? You don't need 10x to see a decent return. You need 15% year over year to see a decent return. Right? If you determine that your risk is even lower, well, then by all means, offer your capital at lower risks. 
right? But stay involved with the company, serve as an advisor, serve as a board director, open doors to new business opportunities for that company. Make it your business to see that your cash comes back out and that there are decent returns, right? Then let the company get on with the business of running its operations for the long haul. Even with a dividend model, you can write in, I don't know, an agreement that says once you've seen, I don't know, 3x, 5x, whatever uh, of your money come back out of it, the company has a right to buy your stock back. It's fine. Or you have the right to sell it back or something. You know, you don't have to stay forever. There are just better ways. Create exit paths. We don't have any. We just have sale or IPO and they are far too rare. I'd say, let's get over the pipe dream. Let's make venture capital investing sustainable for all parties. If we don't, the next generation of investors is only going to see the angel and VC fund LPs of 1997 to 2021 and maybe beyond, you know, as the fools we've been for collectively believing this and that we have collectively been all these many years. All right, we will not see or they, our future investors, will not see that we, the current investors, have cleaned up our act. They will not see that we have developed sustainable investment models that serve the future much better than we have been served ourselves or that we serve others. Startup entrepreneurs, the communities in which they're supposed to thrive, and certainly we as investors have got to do better. And with that strong statement. Uh, it's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas and the occasional firmly held opinion of the, <laughs> okay. of the shrouded quarter of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who graciously hosted our previous CEO coach show for more than a decade and host our new VC Confidential show now in its 44th episode. We are grateful for their long and continued support of our work. You can listen to all our episodes from both shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you like to get your podcasts. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next week. Till next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.